Hello everybody, this is Dan Trotter, Pretty Good Bible Studies. In this audio, I'm going to cover Revelation chapter 4, the whole chapter, verses 1 through 11. We're going to take a peek into the throne room of God, as seen by John in his famous vision from Jesus, as he was on the Isle of Patmos. Our context is this, in chapters 2 and 3, Jesus has already told John what he wants the angels, the messengers, to send to the seven churches of Asia Minor, the seven churches of Revelation, He's finished with that, and now we're going to be taken up into heaven and see what things look like in heaven. Revelation 4.1, we'll start there. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what, what must take place after these things. Now, this is the famous verse, famous because pre trib rapture advocates have used this verse to try to prove a pre-tribulation rapture. And I'm going to show you that that's absolutely absurd. There's no pre-tribulation rapture mentioned here or contemplated here at all. It was just conjured up in the perfervid imaginations of people infected with last day's madness. People like Tim LaHaye, people like Hal Lindsey. First of all, we see the door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which he had heard, that's the voice of Jesus, like the sound of a trumpet. So the voice was very loud. And Jesus is saying, come on up here, I'm going to show you what it's like in heaven. He's been talking about the seven churches that's on earth. And now we want to go up into heaven and see what's up there. Now, because that voice was like the sound of a trumpet, and because a trumpet sounds at the rapture of 1 Thessalonians 4.16, the taking up of the church, pre-tribbers say that Revelation 4.1 refers to the so-called rapture of the church before the Great Tribulation, the Great Tribulation being described by the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven chalices. And Revelation 4.1 is right before all that starts, which starts in chapter 6. Well, here's the answer to that. that. In Revelation 1.10, John heard Jesus' voice like a trumpet in the first vision, so was there a rapture there too? John 1.10 says this, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Oh, there's the first rapture. And then Revelation 4.1, the second rapture. Just because there's the sound of a trumpet, that proves a rapture. Okay, well, the pre-tribbers might say, well, but it's more than that. Jesus, there's the voice of a trumpet, just like at 1 Thessalonians 4.16, the rapture trumpet. And... In addition to that, Jesus says, come up here. Now, the preachers say that that's referring to the church coming up there. Well, first of all, it's not the church that was called to come up there. It was John. Okay? That's the first big problem. But at any rate, let, let me give you the full preacher argument. They say, since the church is not mentioned from here at this point, Revelation 4, 1, until the end of Revelation, church is not mentioned. Therefore, the church is not present in the goings-on in Revelation. Therefore, the church must have been raptured out. And that was because when Jesus says, come up here, and the church is raptured out. Well, the answer to that is the church is not mentioned after the second coming either. People usually put that somewhere around Revelation 19.11. So if the, the church is not mentioned in the premillennials millennium, the future millennium, according to premill theory, which I don't believe, but according to their theory, there's a future millennium, and the church is not mentioned there. Church is not mentioned in the final state at the end of Revelation. Does the lack of the mention of the church teach that there is going to be a pre-trib annihilation of the church because the church never appears again? This is a huge argument from silence, folks. Church is not there, therefore the church has disappeared. Church is not there, so the church has been raptured. Well, we could say, okay, the church is not there, so the church might have been annihilated instead of raptured because it's not mentioned ever showed up. It never shows up again in the so-called future millennium or in the final state. Another answer to that. 
Just because the term church is not mentioned, the concept is mentioned. For example, in this chapter, we're going to see 24 elders around the throne. 24 elders, in my humble opinion, stands for the 12 tribes of Israel plus the 12 apostles. So all of those 24 elders, they represent the people of God, both Old Testament and New Testament. And that, of course, is the church. By the time we get to the New Testament, that's the church. And so even though the term church is not mentioned in chapter 4, after chapter 4, verse 1, the concept is mentioned. So, you know, the Trinity is not mentioned either in the scriptures, but don't tell me the Trinity is not in the Bible. It's everywhere. Another answer to this idea that since the church is not mentioned, therefore it must have been raptured out pre-trib is that John only uses church to refer to individual churches in Revelation, not the whole church. And so he's finished talking about the individual churches, and so he doesn't need to mention the term church anymore. That's why it's just he doesn't need to use the term anymore. It's not because the church has been ruptured out that he doesn't talk about the church. Now, let me make one more point about this pre-trib theory here. I usually don't try to jump on the other views of Revelation as we go through here, but since this verse is so prominent in the eschatological discussions of some people, I figured I might want to bring it up. And I like to make the point that it is quite ironic for pre-tribbers to complain that preterists destroy the relevance of Revelation for present-day Christians. They will say, well, you know, you say all the, the events in Revelation, the trumpet, the seals, the trumpets, and the chalices, judgments, that's all been done on Jerusalem in AD 70, so therefore there's no relevance for Christians today because it all happened in the past. Well, the first answer to that is, yeah, so did all the letters to the churches, Philippians, Ephesians, Galatians. That was all in the past too, but we take that and apply it to our situation today. We do the same thing with Revelation. That's the first thing you say. But the second thing you say is a tukukwe, a soldier old lady argument. Oh, yeah, well, okay, granted, if you want to say that Revelation is irrelevant for preterists. What about you pre-tribbers? You're not even here on earth. You're up in heaven. You're not going to even be participating in the book of Revelation. And you're saying that the book of Revelation is irrelevant for preterists? I don't think that argument's going to fly. So now, for pre-tribbers, Revelation has no relevance for anybody, not for the original seven churches, because everything supposedly happens in the future, not for present-day Christians, because everything supposedly happens in the future, and not even for those living at the time of Christ's second coming, because they're going to be raptured out of it all. So the whole book becomes a meaningless pile of fantasy and comic book material to make dumb movies with. Now, at the end of verse 1, Jesus tells John, I will show you what must take place after these things. What are these things? Well, that would be what had already occurred regarding the seven churches that Jesus had previously talked about in the previous two chapters. We go now to verse 2, Revelation 4. Immediately I was in the Spirit. This is John talking. Immediately I was in the Spirit. The reason he was in the Spirit, because Jesus had told him to come up there. And so in the Spirit means he was having a vision, and the vision carried him into heaven. And behold, a throne was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne. That was God. And you know, no one can see God and live. This is a vision. And I used to think, well, this is exactly what it looks like in heaven. I think this was a vision with apocalyptic symbols being put in the vision to impress on John's mind. That is not necessarily how it's actually going to be when we get there. This is a vision. Remember, this is not a photograph of heaven. This is a vision of heaven. So in the spirit, when John says he's in the spirit, that was not an expression of John's subjective feelings. That was a technical term, meaning that a prophet is receiving a revelation, and here it means to be caught up into heaven to receive that revelation. We go to verse 3, Revelation 4. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. 
Now, these stones and the rainbow and such are very similar to other Old Testament prophetic visions of God, which we can see in Ezekiel and Isaiah. I'll quote these passages to you as we get to them. They're not that many, and they're very similar. There's some differences in the visions, but there, there are a lot of similarities, too. Well, one thing that you see is all these beautiful stones. I used to, like, I had a little collection when I was in elementary school, a collection of rocks that were types of stones that could, if they were polished, would be made into gemstones. I was always fascinated by them. They're very, very pretty. If you ever get on the Internet and just look up gemstones and look at all, they're really pretty. And they're not as expensive as diamonds, but by golly, they make pretty jewelry. So God uses the, the, the results of his creation, the rocks, to show us how beautiful he is. He was sitting like a jasper stone. And Miriam Webster says that jasper is an opaque quartz of any of several colors. I looked up in another dictionary and it says that uh, jasper could be white, blue, red, green, yellow, or orange. So the color is, who knows what color it was. But it was uh, opaque and it was a precious stone. It represented one of Israel's tribes on the high priest's breastplate. In Exodus 28:20, we read this in the fourth row. Remember, there was four rows of three stones each for a total of 12 on the breastplate that the high priest lashed around his chest. And on the fourth row, we see a barrel, an onyx, and a jasper. And jasper was also mentioned among the jewelry littered on the ground in the Garden of Eden in Exodus 28:13. So we have sort of a connection between God and paradise and the priesthood. I'm going to continue with that idea as we go through some of these rocks. Garden of Eden, priesthood, God's throne in heaven. And he was like a jasper stone god and a sardius in appearance. So sardius is from the definition, the definition from dictionary.com is, quote, the precious stone thought to have been a ruby in the breastplate of the Jewish high priest. Exodus 28:17, and thou shalt set in it settings of stones, even four rows of stones. The first row shall be a sardius, a tobaz, and a carbuncle. A sardius. Now, let me say this. The translations of these rocks are different in English. It's difficult to know exactly what stone is being talked about, and I used to want to nail it down, but I realize you can't nail it down. So you just get an idea of beautiful color. You might disagree on what a particular type stone looked like. doesn't matter. So sardius was another tribe of Israel, and it was red. So we have an unknown color. Now we've got red. And there was an, a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. This is not a stone, but it's a rainbow. But emerald, of course, is green, just like it is today. It also represented one of the tribes of Israel in the high priest's breastplate. Exodus 28:17. Place a setting of gemstones on it, four rows of stones. The first row should be a row of carnelian, tobaz, and emerald. I just read that verse in the King James, and the third stone was a carbuncle, which who knows what that is. But the modern translation, Christian Standard Bible, says emerald. And it was also mentioned among the jewelry littered on the ground in the Garden of Eden. Let me read that to you in Ezekiel 28:13. You, is referring to the king of Tyre, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every, king of every kind of precious stone covered you, carnelian, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, lapis lazuli, turquoise, and emerald. So when God wants to talk about something good, he uses rock, his stones, precious stones, gemstones, to, to, to give an appearance of beauty of dazzling beauty, if you will. So that rainbow was around the throne. A rainbow is a symbol of grace in the midst of judgment. If you think about it, you usually see a rainbow with black clouds behind it because it usually appears when it, the 
weather's like that when it's about to rain. So think about that. The black clouds behind it, that's judgment. Ah, but in the rainbow in front of it, that's beauty. So this is like the book of Revelation because Christians are sealed. The 144,000 were sealed. You remember that? And there's other places too uh, where the Christians are protected from judgment. And of course, there's plenty of judgment in the book of Revelations too because the anti-Christians are judged. And so this is the idea, the idea, the black clouds behind the rainbow that symbolizes judgment of God. But the rainbow shows I'm going to show mercy on you guys. Now, I mentioned that the throne is similar to other Old Testament prophets visions, the throne of God. Let me give you uh, one such revelation in Ezekiel 1, 26 through 8. We see that something in common between John's vision and Ezekiel's vision is that a rainbow surrounded both thrones. Ezekiel 1, 26, 27, and 28. Something like a throne with the appearance of lapis lazuli was above the expanse over their heads on the throne high above was someone who looked like a human. From what seemed to be his waist up, I saw a gleam like amber with what like fire enclosing it all around. From what seemed to be his waist down, I also, seen, I also saw what looked like fire. There was a brilliant light all around him. The appearance of the brilliant light all around was like that of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day. There's the rainbow. So the light shining all around God made it seem like a rainbow was all around God. This was the appearance of the likeness of the Lord's glory. So we got something that looked like a man with fire above his waist, fire below his waist. Again, this is a vision. God cannot be seen. He's a spirit. Now, what we see here, when John looks at the throne of God, he is now in the heavenly tabernacle. Remember the heavenly tabernacle. Excuse me, the earthly tabernacle was patterned after the heavenly, as we read in the book of Hebrews. The heavenly temple was the pattern from which Moses constructed the tabernacle through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Here's some correspondences. The throne of God is similar to the mercy seat, which is in the Holy of Holies. I'm going from heaven to earth here. The thrones in heaven, the mercy seats in the earthly tabernacle. The seven torches of fire, which are mentioned in the vision of, of the throne in Revelation. I haven't gotten there yet. It's in verse 5. There were seven lamps of fire, as the New American Standard says, the lamps of fire. Torches of fire is the English Standard Version. I like that better. So we have seven torches of fire in heaven. And on earth, in the earthly tabernacle, we have the seven-branched lamp the, that was burning oil, that was perpetually burning there in the holy place. There's a correspondence there. We got four living creatures in heaven, and then we got a couple of cherubim in the tabernacle. There's four in heaven and two on earth. So the correspondence is not exact. We got the sea of glass in Revelation in the heavenly vision of the temple. And then, of course, we got the bronze sea in the tabernacle in the Old Testament, that big laver of water that was out there where the priest washed their hands. And then we got 20. Now, this is Chilton's idea. The 24 elders are in heaven that John sees around the throne. He says that stands for the 24 courses of priests that were assigned to minister in the Old Testament tabernacle. I prefer to say that the 24 elders represents the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles of the church so that you got the old Israel and the new Israel together or the people of God all together. The people of God, Old and New Testament, surrounded by the throne. I think that's much better than what Chilton says. But at any rate, you see the correspondences. They're, they're, they're similar. Revelation 4.4, around the throne were 24 thrones. And upon the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. Now notice, before we do anything about talking about who these elders are, notice that they're ruling because they are thrones 
They are all sitting on thrones, 24 thrones to be exact, and they all had crowns on their head. A crown is a symbol of rulership. A throne is where someone who is ruling sits. And so these elders are ruling with God, who is, of course, ruling over all. Now, many people take these elders not to be humans, but to be a class of angels. I don't think so. I think they represent the people of God, as I said earlier, both Old Covenant and New Covenant, 12 tribes of Israel and 12 apostles. Everywhere else in the Bible, elders always refers to men and not angels. We notice that they're sitting on thrones. That represents that the church is ruling, as I said already. Now, we've already noted that in Revelation, the Christians do reign with Christ. Revelation 1.6, And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion. I think that's talking about God. Let me check that real quick. Excuse me, Jesus. Jesus has made us kings and priests. So he's made us kings. That means we're ruling. We see that Christians wear crowns. In Revelation 2.10, the Smyrna Church, be you faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. Revelation 3.11, this is to the Philadelphia Church, hold fast what you have so that no one may take your crown. So Christians wear crowns. Christians are given authority to reign with Christ over the nations. In Revelation 2.26 and 27, and he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him I will give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Rod of iron, of course, referring to a scepter. Rule means you're, the, you're ruling. That's to the church at Thyatira. Apostates will be forced to bow before Christians. Christians will rule apostates. In Revelation 3, 9, Behold, I will make them, a, of the, behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and know that I have loved thee. That's to the church at Philadelphia. The synagogue of Satan is going to bow down to the church of Philadelphia. Christians are seated with Christ on his throne, Revelation 3.21, to him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me on my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. And that was to the church at Laodicea. So you see that all these churches that John is going to write to, I've just given you four, they end up ruling. They might be suffering and they might have a lot of internal problems and weaknesses and they might have a lot of external persecution, but they're going to rule there's a crown on their heads, and the 12 elders, 12 of those 24 elders represent the leaders of the church, the, excuse me, the foundation apostles of the church, and therefore, because they have crowns on their head, that symbolizes their rule. The church is going to rule. I mention that because there's so many Christians today who have an eschatology of defeat, not victory. Oh, we're going to sit around here polishing the rails on a sinking ship as the church goes down, have the great apostasy, and the Antichrist is going to come and is going to whip our fannies. And then nuclear bombs are going to start falling on our heads and all is lost. Then they look at the news, which has been very bad recently. I'm speaking in August of 2020. Very bad. And so people say, see there, the end is coming. In fact, I've got, well, he's a friend of mine. I've known him for years. He's got a web page, uh, excuse me, a Facebook page in which he says that China is going to invade us in the next year and is going to completely wipe us out and we're going to be finished. And all the people in panic are answering him and saying, oh, it's all over. Nonsense. We rule, folks. We don't get kicked around. We rule. We might suffer and we might be thrown in jail and we might be persecuted, but ultimately we're going to rule. These elders were, of course, clothed in white garments. And you know what that means? White garment stands for righteousness and purity. The church is going to be pure. Now, I've already mentioned that 24 is a good symbol for the church, or let's just say the people of God, because, you know, I know uh, a lot of dispensationists don't like us to call the Old Testament the church, and I, I don't either. I don't like that, because it was, the, it was Israel, okay? And, uh, but 
The church is founded on Israel. And one reason I don't like to call Old Testament Israel the church is because it was an unregenerate people, the Old Testament was. Those people were not believers. Most of them, All of them died in the wilderness before they got to the promised land if they were under 20. So the Old Covenant, excuse me, if they were over 20. So the Old Covenant had 12 tribes. The 12 apostles represent the New Covenant. So we got the Old and New Covenant represented is seated around the throne. And that imagery of 12 plus 12 is also in Revelation 21, verses 12 and 14 talking about the New Jerusalem. And the New Jerusalem had a wall great and high and had 12 gates, and at the gates 12 angels and names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. So you got 12 gates, 12 tribes, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations. That's foundation stones, if you will, on the bottom. And in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So you got gates, 12 tribes of Israel, foundation stones with the 12 apostles, and there you have the imagery again, 12 plus 12, 24. And I think that's as far as we need to take it. David Chilton, who likes to take things even farther, says that the 24 represents the 24 divisions of the priests in the Old Testament temple. So the church is priest as well as kings. They were, I said they were kings because they, they were sitting on thrones and they had crowns on their head. They were kings, but they were also priests because there were 24 divisions of priests. I don't know about that. That's a, that's a stretch. And Chilton goes on to say there were 24 divisions of singers in the temple, so the people that are sitting around the throne are also worshiping God, just like those 24 divisions of singers in the temple that we see in 1 Chronicles 25. Well, I don't know about that either, but I do know this. There's a lot of worship in the book of Revelation. Lots of great worship songs come out of it. So that's another theme of the book of Revelation is the worship of Almighty God. We go to verse 5 in Revelation 4. Out from the throne came flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there were seven lamps of fire. Seven torches of fire, I think the ESV has it. Burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, this imagery is not difficult. First of all, lightning, that stands for judgment. Peals of thunder, judgment. You ever been out in a lightning storm when it's thundering? It's the most frightening experience. I, be, I was out in one one time and watched, I watched the Latin lightning hit the ground and blow sparks. I was stranded in the woods. I had my wife, my kids, and another couple and their little kids and i'm thinking oh god don't let that thunder hit us uh, excuse me that lightning hit us oh we're dead we ran and we ran and we ran we got in the car and said oh at least there's rubber tires on the ground if the lightning hits us maybe the rubber will save us it's the most frightening thing i've ever been in. it's just been it was just awful so lightning and thunder is meant to show that god is awesome and he's able to judge and there's judgment coming up shortly once we get to chapter six now the seven lamps of fire or the seven torches of fire that stands seven stands for the perfect the divine lamp stands of fire stands for light or maybe judgment too light and judgment so we got uh, these seven lamps of fire are actually said to represent the seven spirits of god and again seven spirits is the holy spirit because seven is divine and spirit is the holy spirit it's the seven holy spirit god Seven spirits, Holy Spirit, and of course the Holy Spirit enlightens and pierces as well as judges. Now you notice these seven lamps of fire burning before the throne in John's vision, standing for the Holy Spirit. Likewise, in the Old Testament tabernacle, you got the seven branch candlestick sitting on that table in there, and it was burning before the Holy of Holies where God was, the Shekinah glory. So likewise, in the Old Testament tabernacle, you got the Holy Spirit burning before the throne. The throne in the tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat on top. The Holy Spirit's burning right before with the seven-branched candlestick. We go to verse 6, Revelation 4. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal, and in the center and around the throne four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. Now the sea of glass is the same thing that Ezekiel saw, except Ezekiel saw it from below. John was up in heaven seeing it from above, again in the Spirit, in a vision. 
Let me read to you Ezekiel 1, verses 4, 5, 22, and 26. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and fire enfolding itself. And a brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof as the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire. Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. There's the living creatures, which we'll talk about in a minute. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. And the likeness of the firmament upon the heads of the living creature was as the color of the terrible crystal. So this, the likeness of the firmament upon the heads, that means over the heads. Over these living creatures, there was a, a firmament, which means a, 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 a sky, and, you, and it was this color of crystal. It stretched forth over their heads above. So you got crystal, a crystal uh, expanse spreading over the heads of the living creatures, which were around the throne. Well, that's just the great glassy sea that John is seeing from above. And above, uh, returning to Ezekiel, and above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne. So you see, it's the sea below and then the throne above, because the throne's in the middle of the sea. And it's the appearance of a sapphire stone upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above it. So God was sitting on his throne. Likewise, God is sitting on his throne, except here in John's vision, he's sitting on his throne in the middle of a sea of glass, or at least in front of the sea of glass, I should say. Now, it was like crystal. This, of course, was like the bronze laver of water that was in the Old Testament tabernacle, which it was pretty wide-mouthed, and you look at water on it, and it looks like a sea because it's water. And in the center and around the throne, that means in front of the throne, in the middle, and on the left and right sides, and in the back. So in the center means in the middle, in the front of, and around the throne means left, right, and behind. So you see the throne's got four living creatures around it, they were full of eyes in front and behind. Well, let's take care of the eyes first because that's an easy symbol. It means that these four living creatures see all things according to God. A bunch of eyes, you see everything. Nothing gets out of your, out of your sight. But now, who are these four living creatures? Now, in Ezekiel 1.5, I just quoted you from this. Let me read it again. The likeness of four living creatures came from it, came from the throne, and this was their appearance. They looked something like a human, etc., etc., etc. All right. So, Ezekiel's vision had four living creatures. John's. Vision had four living creatures. Why four? Here's a suggestion. Four is a, gives a biblical idea of four corners of the earth. We say all from the four winds. That means north, east, south, and west. It's four directions, north, east, south, and west. There were four rivers in Eden that watered the whole earth. That might be a stretch. But generally you have four. That means it covers the earth. Four corners of the earth is the way we say it. So you got four creatures, and they're going to represent the creation as we see. This is... I don't think too much of a stretch. John Calvin believed that. The four creatures stands for God's world, nature. And nature does nothing without God's control. So the four living creatures are there right before the throne of God. And God's in charge of all of nature. If you recall the vision in Ezekiel 1 and 10, which I'm not going to quote right now. But when the throne of God turned, there was four sets of wheels under the throne. And they had they were bidirectional. They had one set of wheels were rolled one way. Then the other set of real wheels was set at 180 uh, 90 degrees, I guess to it and they turned on the inside and so wherever God went those four the wheels would turn and move God wherever he wanted to do and the animals always followed right along with the, the throne which shows that the all of nature all of creation is subject to the command of God where God goes the creation goes we go now to verse 7 Revelation 4 the first creature was like a lion and the second creature like a calf and the third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. Now, this used to puzzle me greatly, but I think I got this from Chilton. This 
to me, makes a lot of sense. All four of those creatures together symbolize the various aspects of nature, because nature is, in, is worshiping God and under the control of God. The lion represents the wild beast in nature. The calf represents the domesticated beast in nature. The man represents humans who have dominion over nature. And the eagle represents the fowls of the bird, that part of nature which flies in the air. And that's the best I can do with that. I think that's what the symbolism refers to. We go to verse 8, Revelation 4. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. That sounds like hymn number one in my old Presbyterian hymnal, Holy, holy, holy. Fantastic. So one of the best hymns ever written came out of the book of Revelation. Because remember, worship is one of the great themes of the book of Revelation. Right, each one of these four creatures has six wings. This is to associate the four creatures with the seraphim, the angels, of Isaiah. Isaiah 6, 1 through 3. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. Six wings. So these seraphims had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And... One cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So there's the holy, holy, holy. There's angels with six wings crying out, Holy, holy, holy in Isaiah 6. And in John, in Revelation 4, you got uh, four living creatures, which are angelic creatures of some sort, cherubs of some sort. They also had six wings, and they were crying out, Holy, holy, holy. So you see the connection there. As I said earlier, they're full of eyes. So that means they can see all the affairs of men. There's nothing that's hidden from them, just like nothing is hidden from God. And I've already pointed out that holy, 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 the praises to God. Praise is one of the major themes of the book of Revelation. Now, when God is said to be was and is and is to come, that's just a very poetic way of saying he's eternal. He's present, is, he's past, was, and is to come future. So therefore, he's eternal. We go now to verses 9 through 11, and we'll finish up Revelation 4. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. So the living creatures are giving glory Chilton says that what they're doing is give, giving antiphonal praise. In other words, they say, glory. Some, some of the angels say, glory. And then another segment of the angels answers back, glory. And then one section of the angel says, honor. And another section of the angels responds back, honor. That's antiphonal. I don't know why we know that from this verse, but that's just what somebody says. So I thought I'd suggest it to you. But at any rate, they're praising God. They're worshiping him. Fits in with the theme of worship. Now, notice here that everyone's giving glory to God. Now, the angels in Revelation 5.11, which we haven't gotten to yet, but they are said to be giving glory to God around the throne. Revelation 5.11, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and also of the living creatures and the elders. So there are the three entities around the throne, the three beings. you got angels, number one. you got living creatures, number two. And you got the elders, representing the church, number three. Their number was countless thousands plus thousands and thousands. And, of course, the voice means they were singing out glory to God, the voice of these angels. And then we've got nature represented by the four living creatures. 
and they were given glory and honor in Revelation 4, 9. And then we got the men, or human beings, the church is represented by the 24 elders. They're giving glory to God who lives forever and ever. They fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him. So there's glory and worship going to God the Father. This is the same God that people will say, oh my God, thank God. You know, they just use God's name lightly, rashly, and in vain. And it's disgusting because God is worthy of all of our honor and glory. And when we don't give him glory and honor, when we don't say hallowed be the name, but we say, oh my God, we are trashing him. And that's serious business, folks. No Christian ought to do that. Now, the elders are said to cast their crowns before the throne. Remember that song, and holy, 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 casting down their golden crowns beneath the glassy sea, or on the glassy sea, I forgot how it goes. But casting the crowns down means they are taking their rulership over the church, and they are throwing it before the throne, which means that they're submitting their rule to God. So God ultimately is the ruler of the church, not the elders not the 24 elders representing the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. They cast their crowns before the throne. God's in charge of us, not us. Are you listening, Pope Francis? Ladies and gentlemen, we're finished with Revelation chapter 4. We're going to do Revelation chapter 5, the whole chapter in the next audio. And that audio will cover the topic of the scroll and the lamb. I hope you stay tuned for that audio, and I hope you enjoyed this one. <laughs>